This is a Federal News Network podcast. To say the journey to modernize the Homeland Security Department's financial management systems has been full of fits and starts would be an understatement. The three previous attempts over the past 17 years flopped in public and pronounced ways. But with the most recent move of the Transportation Security Administration to the Coast Guard system, the financial management tide may have turned. Troy Edgar is the Homeland Security Department's chief financial officer. He tells executive editor Jason Miller about why DHS may finally be on the right path to modernize its financial management systems. Compared to kind of previous efforts, the focus that we've had has really been a component-led process and approach uh, where we really want to try and foster cross-component perspectives in the decision-making and then at a high level uh, get perspectives that we can use the unique needs of the businesses and uh, make sure the components aren't overlooked. From our view, the components have a pretty sizable amount of influence over the details of the workflow. The examples of that would be the accounting classification fields and such. But, you know, what we're really trying to do is focus first on kind of standardized business process and then uh, kind of accounting procedures, report requirements, and uh, provide flexibility to how you would accommodate unique component needs. You know, what we're really trying to get to is integrated data across the enterprise and then from that be able to kind of have a, a, a really good business process and, and data model that we can uh, focus on improving our shared service provider capability for the components. And then uh, through this, um, you know, we got a lot of lessons learned on our first go live as uh, you may have followed back a couple of years ago when we were transitioning the uh, CWMD or Countering Weapons of Mass Destruction Office onto this. They were kind of the first group up. And kind of the benefits and the and the downside of being first is you don't always get exactly what you want, and you a lot of the times you're really trying to kind of remediate some challenges while you're also bringing on the next big thing. So uh, CWMD has been a great partner through this process. There's two things going on here. The first is you're working with the components. It's kind of the interagency effort to come to agreement, if you will, to come to some sort of standards around the business processes. And then the second piece of this is then you're saying, okay based on needs, based on several factors, you're going to a shared service internally first. And this one happens to be the Coast Guard. Do I have those two things right? Yeah, well, let me also add a a dimension to it. So right now, the way we've broken the implementations up are into segments that are being serviced in shared service type models already. So I think that as we go a little little bit deeper in here, sometimes there's a misconception that, that, you know, we're moving to a Coast Guard financial management system, but what we're really doing is Coast Guard services, these three businesses that we're taking live right now, you know, CWMD, TSA, and eventually the Coast Guard. And what is happening for the Coast Guard is they're first transitioning and having to kind of support two systems now, uh, their, their previous and then this new one with a little group on it, CWMD. And then over time, by the time they get ready to go live, and they've got a lot of, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of scope, uh, at that point, their shared service center would transition into uh, servicing that group of businesses on this new modern system. Now, TSA has uh, moved, at least uh, started the move or has moved to the Coast Guard Financial Management System. Discuss this move and, and really what does it mean for TSA and Coast Guard? Probably after the CWMD go live and this really became more of a department-led process, the chief procurement officer, the chief information officer, and the CFO got together and said, hey, look, we really need to, you know, to have one voice to the vendors, one voice to the business. 
um, really, and that's what I mean by the department led. And um, you know, TSA being a pretty substantial business, about $8.7 billion, and the user base over 12, 1,300 users, this would be significantly bigger. And so I think that the process that we went through and the approach was to you know, first bring on something small, get it to scale, bring on the next thing, TSA. For TSA, there are a lot of uh, advantages you know, as, as they're going through. Obviously, the business process efficiencies that they'll gain and uh, getting to common accounting lines. Eventually, the way that you get a lot of benefits from these large-scale ERPs is a couple things. On the back end, once everything, everybody's on the same process, the data models are the same. Um, meaning the accounting lines and the you know the master data, the way that they set them up, the reporting that really is the significant burden in the government business becomes much easier because everything's normalized. And then once you have a model with a common business process, a common data model, working through an application and you're to more efficient reporting, you can do a lot of data analytics, uh, build tools on top of that for big data projects, they're already starting to do that within Homeland Security. And then one of the initiatives that I've uh, been focused on really to try and get going in a pilot is RPA or some of these uh, robotic process automations that you can do now that you're on common business processes. You can use rule-based activities to try and then build the worker base and so forth. What's in it for TSA? What I, my vision for them once they're stable and they're in a normal production mode uh, eventually, we'll start adding um, enhancement processes on top of it that would be, uh, you know, on reporting and then eventually RPA. Smaller term, because in the big scheme of things, we, you know, we still got to stay focused on Coast Guard and we still got to be focused on kind of what's coming next for FEMA, what's coming next for ICE, et cetera. But that's uh, probably one big thing uh, that's been helpful in this approach. Last part to kind of tie it back to TSA is two and a half, three years ago, they stood up what they call a joint program management office, uh, JPMO. And that was the way the department initiated, maintained, and coordinated uh, this significant initiative across DHS. So like I said, CFO is the executive sponsor, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the real owner of the process. But you know, like I said, there's partnerships in there with CPO and CIO, and we're able to really kind of get multiple things going on multiple tracks and, uh, and and really kind of bring the expertise into the components and throughout Homeland that are needed to, to take on this initiative. Where is TSA in the migration? Is, is the first step done or are you three quarters of the way there and it's just make sure everything works and then you can shut off the old system? And then what is that old system? Because I would tell you, wow, TSA is not that old. You know, they're one of the newer federal agencies. So for them to be needing to move off faster than a FEMA or somebody else is interesting. Now, I imagine there's a reason for that too. TSA went live at the beginning of October. And to define go live means they uh, went through a previous 30-day process before that where they did a transition from old systems uh, maintained by the Coast Guard uh, into the new system, Oracle system. Uh, and then basically, uh, you know, took a significant amount of coordination and then basically took the system live um, at the beginning of October. And uh, right now we're in our post-implementation stabilization. So we're watching now uh, help desk set up different tiers of help desk to take on the problems. We in the leadership, people that are working for us are watching the metrics at all of the different levels um, within supporting the system. It could be training issues. It could be something significant as a 
um, data that wasn't added correctly or some sort of uh, issue that needed to be evaluated or something as significant as the product is now not working at a scale that it should and needs to be evaluated. So we've got our uh, contract vendors uh, that are also through that support. And um, so far, it's been a very, very smooth go live for TSA. They are fully up on the new system. And in the same time, we're starting to turn a little bit of the machine now towards the Coast Guard, get focused on that. DHS released two RFPs, one for financial management software, the other one for services. And I know there's some, I'll call it criticism of that effort, kind of people scratching their heads saying, well, why aren't you going to have just one person providing both the software and the services versus one software, one services? Where do you stand with that effort? I know it's been going through the acquisition process. You know, as we get ready to step to the next phase of BHS, you know, we have other segments uh, like ICE and FEMA, et cetera. Those groups have shared service centers that, that support their businesses. And that's what you're talking about, about moving into kind of uh, proposals that are out on the market that a lot of people have talked about. So currently right now, the financial management software and services acquisition effort that's getting ready to start for the next phase is in the evaluation phase. And uh, you know, both like you said, for the enterprise financial management software and then the enterprise financial systems integration uh, and acquisitions. Troy Edgar, Homeland Security's Chief Financial Officer, talking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Subscribe to The Federal Drive on Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.